good seeing you guys uh, this morning. Yeah, I just want to open up in prayer. So Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing here, Jesus, and just ultimately who you are, your character. And we just thank you for your presence that's here in Jesus' name. Amen. And so um, yesterday, just got a little testimony to share. I think it's a testimony, yeah. But uh, <laughs> Addie and I and my friend Steve sitting over there, we were headed to Monterey to minister at a, a friend's church. And so we left, I think about like one thirty or about 2 o'clock. And we're headed there in our uh, white Prius. And then all of a sudden, about 40 minutes in, I see this flashing like alert sign on the dashboard. And um, I asked Steve, and he goes, oh, that's, that, it's probably fine. And sometimes it does that. Like sometimes the, <laughs> the car, the Priuses could be a little moody or something, but it's okay, we're good. So I kept driving. All of a sudden, five minutes later, the car just go like that, and it's the, the front tire blew out like fast. And so we were able to pull over to the shoulder of the freeway, but there was like no space there. And so we were in a dangerous situation. We got out of the car, and um, anyways, we had to call the tow truck. It took about an hour and a half to get there, and it was like 95 degrees out, so it was really warm. And so the tow truck finally got there, and I was like, I don't think we're going to make the meeting now. I don't think we're going to be there in time at the church. And so I called the pastor, and he was understanding, of course. And um, But we got the, the tow truck, and he said every extra mile, we were in the middle of nowhere, is an extra like $14. So we had to go like an extra 25 miles. So 25 times 14, that adds up a little bit. Um, and so it was interesting because I was going to share about, you know, Joseph, which we're going to share this morning, when inconveniences happen in our life, it could sometimes be part of God's plan. And so I'm thinking, okay, is this part of God's plan, or is this me not getting new tires on the car? Sometimes it's just up to, <laughs> sometimes it could just be our fault. We could blame God sometimes for our, you know, us not being the smartest. It wasn't Addie's fault, it would be my, my fault. And then I was thinking maybe we're supposed to minister to the tow truck guy. And, um, but we did pray for him. But at the end of the day, um, we missed the church meeting. And we ended up getting some really good carne asada burritos after. <laughs> that Steve paid for. So I was like, okay. It was all worth it in the end. But uh, uh, that's what I kind of want to preach on this morning is the story of Joseph and if there's any story in the Bible about God's favor, I believe Joseph really exemplifies just favor. And I think a lot of times we ask for God, I want favor in my life, I want favor. That's a great prayer. But sometimes favor doesn't always bring you in these perfect places in life. Sometimes favor brings you through the valley of the shadow of death. And there is a cost of favor. I love when great things happen. But sometimes there's inconveniences that happen. Sometimes we go through a wilderness season, but it's part of God's plan. Sometimes we think, okay, I'm going to be the right-hand man of Billy Graham, and I'm just going to be first class in the airplane. And sometimes you have to get your gift tempered. You got to go through the fire. When you do get promoted, that God can trust you. And so that's what I want to preach on this morning. If you guys have your Bible or it's also going to be on the screen. We're in Genesis 37, and um, I just want to start reading in verse 3. It said, Now Israel, or his 
name is also Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. Okay, and there's actually a picture right there. And Joseph was only 17 years old, and he was the favorite son. Okay, imagine like everyone's birthday. Oh, I got like a white T-shirt. Oh, I got a gray T-shirt. And then he opens up his present, and he gets that. And the thing about Joseph, he wore favor. He wasn't like shy about it. He didn't keep it in the drawer. He wore favor. And when we have favor of God, it's going to allow people to be sometimes envious of us. Sometimes they're not going to like that we have favor. Okay, his brothers did not like the favor on his life. And he didn't try to blend in. He didn't try to be like everyone else. He was set apart. The favor of God will bring you to set you apart from the rest. And um, so anyways, they didn't like Joseph. He was his father's favorite. This gives me hope too, because he was in a dysfunctional family. Um, you know, there was, <laughs> not saying our family, we actually have a very healthy family, but I'm saying when it comes to, um, he, there was four different mothers for his family. And so all the brothers are fighting back and forth and, but God can use dysfunctional families. He doesn't use perfect families. And so that's the thing about Joseph. He wore favor and he was set apart. Okay. He was not trying to blend in with everyone else. And then in eight, verse 18, it says, when they saw, the brothers saw him afar, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Okay, um, I'm not sure if you've ever had your siblings that wanted to kill you. That never happened to me. I got an older brother over there, a younger sister. We got in arguments before, maybe a couple like fists, you know, punches, but he never wanted to kill me. But this is a different situation. They wanted to kill Joseph. And it says in verse 19, they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. And so this is actually, everyone has a stage in their life where they experience a dream from the Lord. Maybe God gave you a, a destiny dream when you were a kid. Maybe God spoke to you prophetically. So you have this amazing dream. God's going to use me powerfully. And so oftentimes though, after a dream happens, there's a testing that you have to walk through. And so he didn't just step into his destiny. He didn't go to the right hand of Pharaoh immediately. It wasn't a linear path to the destiny, okay? We think it's straightforward. And so Joseph, as you guys know, the enemy tries to steal that dream. I think every dream that someone has, the enemy wants to snatch that dream from you. And he'll do whatever it takes. He'll throw you in a pit, Maybe not a physical pit, maybe a pit of anxiety, fear, hopelessness. And so that's what happened with Joseph. He was thrown in this pit, and then one of the brothers says, we might as well make some money out of it. Let's not kill him. Let's sell him for, you know, whatever. And it was 20 pieces of silver, which is like $200, not a whole lot of money. That's what they thought of their brother. Eh, he's worth about 200 bucks. <laughs> so they had some dinner or whatever with that money. And you guys might know the story um, but the thing that was really consistent with Joseph is that God's presence remained the same upon his life, that wherever he was, the presence of God was there and God's favor was there. 
I think when sometimes we have a, a valley or a hill, we go up and down, we feel like God leaves us. Okay, now we came back, now he leaves us. But the thing is, God never left Joseph the whole time. And that's just a good reminder. Genesis 39 says in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw the Lord was with him and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And I think there's a lot of maybe husbands out there. The reason why you have favor on your life is the, is the woman that you're married to. Okay, the reason why the Egyptians had favor now, because Joseph simply lived in the house. And so that's a good reminder that sometimes we could be in brokenness, we can be running away from God, but who's living in your house carries the favor and the protection for you. Does that make sense? And so, you know, he sold into slavery, and um, I know I shared this testimony maybe like four months ago, but I just want to share it again real quick in a nutshell. Um, before Joseph goes into prison, um, you know, we had experienced a mausoleum, me and my father-in-law, in a prison cell. And uh, we, uh, I just shared, if anyone give their life to Jesus at a church service, two guys stood up in the back left, and uh, Eddie went over to them and said, um, so what do you guys do for a living? And the guy goes, I run a drug rehab center. And so he goes, I want you guys to minister there. So we end up going our day off like three days later, and we had no idea what to expect. And sometimes in Mexico, the drug rehabs aren't the most legitimate um, in the world. So we're like, okay, I think this is a good thing. And we asked the Holy Spirit, I felt like he said yes. So we get to the spot, and it's kind of a sketchy building a little bit, and we go into the courtyard, they feed us some food, and we didn't get poisoned by it, so we were okay. Um, but then they had us go inside the building, and that's what I'm thinking, okay, they could easily hold us hostage, and we could stay in this prison cell. Um, but then I saw, before we went upstairs, there was a huge locked gate, like when you go through a jail cell, where they lock it, and like, okay, we're gonna go follow me through this. So I looked over at Eddie, and he's like, okay, we're gonna do this, and so we walked through the jail gate, they locked it, and like, okay, this is the point of no return. God, <laughs> God better, you know, show up. And then we go upstairs to the upper room, like the book of Acts, but it's a jail cell, and there's another gate with a lock on it. So we go through the second one, and the overseer, he stays outside of the gate. So I'm thinking, uh-oh, this is where they get us now, because all right, good luck. And so then he locks it. He has the key. I'm thinking, okay, this is where they get their money. Two Americans. Um, <laughs> so anyways, um, so that happened, and we look in the room, and there's about 40 um, inmates there, just seated there in their chairs, waiting to hear about the Lord. They were just desperate. They were broken, and they needed not just a sermon. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit. They needed God to show up. So I shared about the Lord, and then I said, man, we just got to minister. They, they need ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so we started prophesying over the people, and and then one thing that I made sure to do before any, you know, praying for healing is praying for salvation. So I said, if anyone wants to give their life to Jesus right now, 
want you to stand up. And there was about 39 out of 40, they stood up and they didn't just stand up. I said, I want you to repeat after me. They said, and I said, Jesus, and they yelled it back, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Like they were like not holding back. They weren't, a lot of times in church, we kind of, Jesus, like we whisper a little bit. Yeah, Jesus, no, no, this guy had walked in deliverance for like 20 years. And so anyways, I'm over here with a translator and I look over my left, I keep hearing like, whoa, like some yells here and there. And then I saw like a trash can that they had to like throw up in. I'm like, what's going on over here? And these guys were getting massively delivered from these demons that were in these guys. And they were hitting the ground. I mean, they were not, you don't fake that. You don't fake throwing up. That was God. They were unchurched guys that were getting delivered from the Lord. And um, so we were there for a couple hours and then we, we, they actually let us out of the jail cell. We didn't stay in there. And, um, but I asked the guy named Eduardo, I said, hey, so how does, like, I want to hear like, how do you do that? You know, because we don't always see that maybe in America. He goes, the first thing I do, I ask the people, what did they need to repent of? What do they need to confess? Because it's always a two-way street. Okay, you never force deliverance on anyone. It needs to come from their heart. And so the, when they confess their stuff, then he says, then I take, you know, some time, I rest, and then I pray in the Holy Spirit, and then I move in deliverance. And so, you know, we need deliverance today. It's not just in Mexico and a jail cell. It's right here in America that people need to get set free in. And so, anyways, you guys know the story of Joseph, but, you know, he gets wrongfully accused with Potiphar's wife. You guys remember that story? And so he gets thrown in prison. And I think if I'm Joseph, I'm doing a sob story, I'm complaining, saying, why me, God? You know, I could have been still in unforgiveness about my brothers. Why do my brothers do this to me? But the thing about Joseph is that he just stayed present wherever he was. If he was in a pit, if he was in a Potiphar's house, if he was in a jail cell, he stayed present with the Lord and he served whoever was in front of him. Okay, so that's what set him apart from maybe being a victim is that he was aware that God was with him wherever he was, and then he served the people in front of him. And so when he was in the prison cell, um, this is in verse 20, it says, the, um, then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And so you guys remember the story, but it's a cupbearer from Pharaoh, and then it's also a baker that were thrown in a prison. And I'm thinking, man, what did the baker do wrong to get thrown in a prison? It was like too many chocolate chips in the cookies. You're going to prison. <laughs> But anyways, they're thrown in prison. Seriously, like, oh, it's the wrong birthday cake. It needs to be a different color. You're out. <laughs> Sorry, I got to do a little humor here. Um, <laughs> but they're in there. And one thing when you study Joseph is that he was concerned about, they had a sad countenance on their, on their face. He was actually so concerned about other people, even when he was the victim, even though he was wrongfully accused, he was still thinking outward. Okay, and that's powerful. And um, so anyways, Joseph, he interprets the dreams of the cupbearer, and he interprets the dreams of the baker, and uh, it comes to pass. 
And so then word gets out to Pharaoh, and then Pharaoh um, says, well, I need a guy to interpret my dream now. And this would be equivalent to Joe Biden getting a dream, and then Joe Schmo says, well, I have a gift of interpreting dreams. Um, and then he gives you a call and says, come and listen to my dream. And so he shares the dream, and you know, you guys know the story. He interprets it. But it's very interesting because, you know, Joseph, he told the dream to his family and brothers. They didn't believe him. Like, no, that's not, no, we're going to try to kill you for that. But then he shares the dreams to non-believers, to like probably atheists during this time. And they said, wow, God is surely among you. We believe you. I mean, sharing it to like a current day Joe Biden and says, you're going to be my right hand man. That's equivalent to what happened here. Okay. And so he gets promoted. And um, one of my favorite parts when he gets promoted, Ramon, you're good with that. You're okay. Um, When he gets promoted is that he gets a wife and he has two sons. And one of the sons name is Manasseh. And Manasseh means the Lord has forgotten all of my toil, all my pain, that the Lord has forgotten it. And I think in order to move forward in our life, we have to forget our past. We can't, we can't, we're going to be stuck if we're still looking backward, if we want to move forward, okay? And so Manasseh is one of the son's names that he um, names his son. And then the other name is, um, I think it's up there is Ephraim, for God has caused him to be fruitful in the land of my affliction, okay? And so I think when it comes down to it, you know, we ask God, I want your favor, I want your favor, but sometimes there is a cost to it. But when you do get promoted, when you do get favor displayed, what are you going to do with it? Because at the end of the day, he didn't have favor for himself. He had favor to actually help save everyone else during the famine. Okay, so favor is not just for us. When God gives us favor, it might be for your family. It might be for non-believers. It might be those in prison that you have favor. Um, And so in Genesis 50, I don't have that much more, but in Genesis 50, verse 18, I just want to read this. So this is like 20 years later that kind of the dream finally gets fulfilled when he was 17. And so his brothers bow down to him, just like the dream when he had when he was 17. It says, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as this day to save many people alive. So he had a perspective that every trial, every tribulation that God was ultimately sovereign over, that it wasn't the keeper of the prison that was sovereign, it was the Lord over his life. And so I just feel like anything that we go through, we need to have a perspective that God is sovereign over this as long as he wants that God is in charge and it's actually part of his master plan Um, and there's a small chart right here and this is actually his story to his destiny is he's the favored son you know he's wearing the amazing coat and he gets sold into slavery and he goes up to manager, then back to imprisonment, then he's prison manager, then he's down, then he's up. And sometimes, (laughs) 
But some, that gives kind of relief because sometimes that's actually our life. That's not always this perfect, amazing, upward slant. A lot of times our life kind of, kind of looks like this, where we have an encounter with God, we get born again, and then we deal with maybe, I don't know, anxiety or depression, and then, well, we get promotion at work, and then we have a health issue, and then we get married. So it's, all, it's a lot of ups and downs that we have to be aware of. That's just reality. And sometimes we paint this picture that once you get born again, then everything's perfect, you have no problems in life, and that's not reality at all. You know, the, the, the thing is that this is actually reality. But the thing, if there was like a dotted line above all the circumstances, it's God's presence that remained the same and God's favor that remained the same for Joseph. And so that just brings peace. Because sometimes we compare our life, our struggles with someone else that has it all perfectly together. That's not real life. And we can't compare our normal day life to someone's highlights. Okay, so that should bring a little bit of peace. Like, okay, maybe I'm not the only one that has some ups and downs in life. And uh, I just simply just want to invite the worship team up. And I uh, just want to pray. <clears throat> And uh, a couple days ago, just how favor could sometimes feel like up and down. Um, the other day, Cameron called me on the phone and goes, hey, we have this opportunity to do like a little shoot for uh, Dolphin Bay. And so, and if you guys, you know, we do the stuff, you maybe get a free like room to stay in. So I'm thinking, man, God really loves me today. I got extra favor. And then the next day, you know, I'm driving the Prius and then the, the tire blows out. I guess I lost God's favor. Unless God doesn't, you know, I guess he doesn't love me today. And so we can't base God's love off of our circumstances at the end of the day. And so I just want to just have you guys stand up right now. And uh, just a simple prayer to like disconnect our circumstances from God's love and his presence. Um, so Lord, I just thank you that we live just in a real world with problems. And it doesn't mean we're a victim to it, but that's just real life. And I thank you that your presence and your favor never leaves us. And the thing about Joseph, wherever he was though, he was the head, he was not the tail. So whatever spot he went in, he ended up being the manager, he ended up being the one in charge. And so, Lord, I thank you that we can't control our circumstances, but we can actually be aware of our attitude and actually how we respond. And so, Lord, I thank you for just a proper response. If you feel like you're in a prison right now, if you feel like you're down and out, I just pray for your perspective for maybe why. And I thank you, Jesus, that before you put the crown on your head, that you had the crown of thorns. And so sometimes in order, before we get crowned, before you go to the palace, uh, there is a training time. There is a time we go through the fire, we go through the wilderness. So the people that have been going through pain, going through fire, um, I just thank you it's not for nothing. I thank you don't waste the pain in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.